This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, we got to get this spot done quickly because I'm starved. Mm -hmm. And you know what's always on my mind when I want something that isn't heavy at lunch? Right. The poke bar. Oh, yeah. At Zupan's. Zupan's. It's always on my mind Mm -hmm. because you can go in there and fill up your bowl for less than 10 bucks and have delicious fresh fish and I don't have to choose unlike going to a sushi bar where you pick one or two things I can pick three or four varieties and put them in that bowl create it the way you want to do it exactly same thing with their salad bar I do this I've been doing this salad bar every time I go in and do my shopping there I also swing by the salad bar that's good for you I need to do a little I need to do another visit or two to the salad bar but the poke bar isn't bad I feel a little healthy a little bit healthy when I'm eating that. certainly constantly uh, updating the stuff they've got in there I know that uh, we're late season tangerines coming in the citrus now, is this a good time of year I for think, citrus? I believe it is. Uh, I saw on their website mixed berry mini pies that I need to go in and check out. Those After the salad bar? Delicious. After the salad bar. Yeah. You, you eat healthy and then you dessert hard is what you do. Uh, <laughs> if you also go to zoopans.com, you can also check out their great uh, Seller Z events, their regional dinners. They've constantly got those going on and you can see the full lineup online at zoopans.com. And also speaking of the sellers, they have... An incredible selection of wine from all over the world. They do a really good job. We mm-hmm. found we found a wine there from uh, Badia Colto Bono, where we went on our trip in Italy, and they're carrying it there. Very nice. They got the three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, McAdam, and of course, always, zoopans.com. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson from now Kink again. Yes. Solely uh, Kink. Solely Kink. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the radio station, by the way. That right. has nothing to do with your, kink, I, uh, with your lifestyle. No, well, maybe it does. All right. <laughs> uh, kink.fm is, right. the, is the website. Not, oh. do, do, not, do not go to kink.com. Uh, what do you find there? Exactly what you'd think you'd find. Okay. So yeah. kink.fm, which is, as a matter of fact, was the only commercial radio station that I ever was dialed into after I moved to Portland. Yeah, well, I, in the days when that's still what you did sure. for most of the time. Yeah. But it's still- Until podcasts came along. Right. Exactly. But commercial radio still survives. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but good to have you here. And, yeah. And um, I think we had a- f- a great opportunity to have Andy Kreza from Thrillist in the studio. So what happened is, first of all, I met him years ago when he was doing some really fun food writing about the Portland food scene. For Thrillist. For Thrillist, mm-hmm. right. I didn't say that. Thrillist.com yep. or Thrillist. And then he got promoted to be a national food editor. So he's not, and, and Thrillist is a little different than it was when he was doing his local st- stuff. Yeah. But always one of the best guys, and anytime I run into him, he makes me laugh. His sense of humor is fantastic. We did a um, we did a fried chicken food crawl with a few of the folks who came to Italy with us last year on our Portland Food Adventures trip um, uh, about a month ago, right? Yeah. Was, and you, mm-hmm. you started out with us. I went to the first place, and then I had to head to a dance competition. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun, and we... He really, you know, he he can get to the uh, humorous part of any sandwich, put it that way. So we did that crawl. That's going to air on March 26th. Uh, I used to call it stream. 
but it's air. Same yeah. thing. However you want to think of it, right. you can check back to wherever you're listening to this. Drops. Yeah, ups, the... or it ups yeah. uploads. Uh, wherever you're listening to this on March 26th, and um, you'll hear that. Um, it's a really fun episode. But in doing so, that was supposed to be a 20-minute episode. It turned into an hour, and we realized we could talk to Andy forever. Right. And he's, I think he's a gem, and um, we only are going to have him in Portland for another few months mm-hmm. before he moves to Los Angeles. Um, as, as he says on this podcast, he can do his job from anywhere. So. I uh, want to take advantage as we can to have him in the studio and hear his insight and just laugh a little bit as well. So um, this episode, we touch on a number of topics from food criticism to eyeball, eating eyeballs. Mm-hmm. That's uh, in there. That's in there. And um, and to his thoughts on Portland and, uh, and moving to L.A. So we have Andy Kreza from Thrillist with us for the hour. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Join right at the Four Coast, Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact info there. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. Yeah. I'm Have you taken that hat off since the last time you were here? Uh, probably not. So. Let's see how greasy I am. <laughs> that's always the first thing we have to do is a grease check with yeah, every yeah. guest. How, that, how, that's where you uh, rub your fingers through their hair, right? No, that hasn't happened yet. Oh, okay, no, it's just a so, visual, just a visual check. Just a visual, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with me right now. <laughs> so, thanks for coming in after uh, a long travel week. Indeed, yeah, it was. You know, it, it, it's usually just nonstop chaos when I'm there. So. Why is it chaos when you're in? So you're in New York at the Thrillist offices. Who's the parent company of Thrillist? Uh, Thrillist was technically the original company with what is now Group Nine Media. Group so Nine. So Group Nine has a uh, a bunch of things under its umbrella. So, but we used to just be a humble newsletter. So At way back when, which is when? When did you start with? Uh, Realist. Are we recording now? Yes. Oh shit! All right, look at that. Somewhere right. along the way, court will decide <laughs> this started. That's that's. I I started recording long before the greasy hair part. So. Yeah. I think, oh, great, I think great, great. Yeah. To, I think that'll so. go in too. <laughs> Just after the racial tirade. Right. Right. <laughs> was I mic'd up in the bathroom as well? I did get that. Okay. I, good, I figured good. that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we should not have had that third cold brew this morning. <laughs> yeah. And what time was that third? Uh, probably about an hour ago. I had a roommate that would have had his sixth by by ten. Oh in, wow! In college, uh, he's no longer with us. That's what happened. I'm sorry to bring such a sad <laughs> story. One of my best friends too. It was a sad thing, and That's we couldn't thing. get a, we couldn't get a grip on that. So, um, you know, alcohol jokes always always ring. So, for, for me, yeah, it's always it's always a mixed bag. For yeah, me when yeah. I hear them because I don't. I, I don't always think it's a real funny thing. 
that people have alcohol problems. <laughs> <laughs> and yet uh, we laugh. Here we are. Yeah, no, no. I didn't know. It's interesting. This, this is off to a really comfortable start, Chris. <clears throat> oh, we love it when it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> but you can change the Anytime you want to change the track, you just... You, you're welcome to. We like, we we trust that you'll know how to guide it, right? Because you're guiding. How many people does Thrillist reach now? We're somewhere around, I think, 24 million a month. Wow. So yeah, it, it got pretty pretty massive, in uh, especially during my tenure. You know, I started in 2012 uh, when we were just kind of a subscriber based email service. Uh, in I think we ended up in the in the height of it at around 40 cities. So there used to be a guy like me. Uh, on the ground in every one of those cities that, you know, your job was to find a new bar or restaurant every single day, which seems like it would be really difficult. But I found, you Not know, Portland. well, especially as Portland started, you know, really taking off as a food destination, I, I found myself struggling to get everything worthy of inclusion included. Uh, you can't. No, it's insane. Um, and now, I mean, I look back at the places that we were hyping up, you know, again, five new places a week. Uh, so that was the deal. Fifty-two five weeks a year. A week. Yeah, that Gary Gary does that in uh, in a week. He fifty the whole year. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could never do what that man does. Let me tell you what I just got this morning. He just wrote me. <laughs> he's going to be in Brooklyn. Twenty-six. He's got reservations or plans for twenty-six restaurants in four days. That is aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I would use a different word. It's crazy. But just to just we'll we'll get to what you're talking about is you know reaching so many restaurants. But just because we started down that track, just to say, uh, Gary's going to be spending a lot more time not in Portland, which is one reason. Oh bummer that we're going in that direction, or he's going in another direction, which is fine. He'll still be our friend, and he'll still contribute. I would imagine here and there. But at any rate, so to get it doesn't seem it's kind of a mixed bag with five places. A week because you got to do the work, right? But on right. the other on the other hand, I've always said you could go to a new place every day in Portland and still for a year and still have all new places to go the next year and yeah. the year after that. Well, I should clarify the 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 job description when I was in that particular role was it wasn't like go find five places that you've never been. It's five places that nobody's ever been, and so. You know, we're beating the street, finding what the. Do you mean uh, nobody's ever been. Like, I mean, restaurant the, openings. The, the, These were all openings. Yeah, this was like all openings. Yeah, yeah, which is why it was a little crazier. So you know, you'd have a guy like me beating the street in every city, looking for you know liquor license permits in windows or brown paper over windows, so you could kind of knock on the door and be like, "Hey, when are you going to open?" And then you've got to get in there, photograph the food, figure out what's good, and make the recommendation or cut it completely. Because we don't, we're not really in the business of saying bad things. We want to celebrate. You know. And tell people where they should be going rather than where they shouldn't. So if you ran into something that you thought where they shouldn't be going, did you just skip it and go on and try to find another one? Or did you yeah, try to yeah. find something nice to say about it? I mean, I could, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty genial fellow. Um, but, you know, I, uh, <laughs> generally mid, if I didn't Midwest, like something, I'd Midwest say boy. It's, it's my Midwest nice, which is actually a really passive-aggressive thing to be. So <laughs> I, I, I work well in Portland because this is the, the capital of passive-aggressive. Um, and, and, and can you cite some examples where you might have experienced that? Um, not often. I mean, it's been a good three years since that was my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I graduated to the national desk uh, as as we started making, as they say in the industry, a pivot. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very annoying industry jargon that we use probably six times a day. 
Well, um, better better a pivot than a toss. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I was going to so many new places at the time that you know the places that weren't memorable didn't really have a lot of mental space to stay around. Mm-hmm. Okay, but still finding five new places and doing it the way you were doing it by seeing liquor permits. You didn't have someone. Did you did you have an insider that could kind of help you? I don't you? need an insider, Chris. You were no, the I mean, insider. We'd, we'd work a lot with you know uh, PR agencies and other publications to kind of see what was going on. But when you're chasing a scoop, that's why we hired a lot of old school journalist types like me, uh, who really didn't have a background in food, but were really good at finding sources and finding you know ways to get a story where other people couldn't find them. Wow, that's uh, that would be challenging. When you said five a week, I just thought that's a lot to do. No, yeah, but, no. And then on top of it, to get in right before anybody's been there, right? You can't wait a month. Right, right. So yeah, because somebody arrange, else is going to pick it up by then. Yeah, and, and so and and then a lot of um, new restaurants and bars would prefer to do a soft opening before a writer walks in. Right, right. And and that was kind of the way that I was able to leverage it was, you know, I'm I'm not there to review you. I'm not going to say, oh, get this, you know, chicken dish, but don't get this beef dish because it's dry. I'm there to say, here's what they have. Here's what you should absolutely order when you get in there. And that's all you need to worry about. And there were a lot of cocktails, too. And so, you know, if, if you can't find something to recommend <laughs> on the... On the food menu, you can probably find a pretty good cocktail or, you know, a good beer program or, you know, a cool story that's going on around it or some some great ambiance or anything like that that you can find to recommend about something uh, and, and be honest about it. So had you been in Portland when you before you started that job? Yeah, I've been here. This is my 14th year. Oh, okay. And it is indeed you my and I last. You are on the same track. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I did a lot of weird, weird work before I got into Thrillist. Like what? Uh, so I started out, you know, just cooking in restaurants and baristaing and doing the whole 2004 Portland thing uh, for a dumb, overqualified person. Uh, and after that, I uh, I got my foot in the door at Willamette Week. I worked as a features writer for them. I did a lot of music stuff. I was a film critic. Uh, I've been a film critic since I was 15 in publications, which is what, weird. What was your first movie that you... Uh... The you Lost were... World Jurassic Park was my the first movie I ever okay. reviewed Ooh, way yeah. back when. Yes, mm. it's it's really great to take a uh, a film recommendation from a fifteen year old who kind of just lied his <laughs> way into the door. Um, but you know, back then you could do, you could get away with that a little bit uh, easier. So, uh, so yeah, when I came to Portland, I was doing that. Um, how, many, how many creases did it get? Uh, I think it got two. I was I was turned off by the gymnastic <laughs> velociraptor fight that was kind of like Jim Cotta. Uh, which if nobody's seen Jim, Jim Cotta, holy crap, it's a all new martial art from the eighties. That's based on pommel horses. Never heard of it. Oh, it's, 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 it's classic. Uh, they sometimes show it at the Hollywood, but anyway, so I was doing that. Uh, I worked, uh, at the Asian reporter for I got five a copy years. of that on my desk. Someone handed me that and said, you should use this to promote your trips. Yeah. Yep. Should I? Um, I, no comment. Uh, I'm still on the masthead of that one. I haven't uh, actually been there for six years now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but AP Kreese is sure still in the byline. And I, I, I wrote the, um, the Zodiac stuff every year for, uh, under the guise of Madame Mingme. So I know a bit about that. I was running, uh, arts and culture coverage in Forest Grove. I mean, I was really, really beating the street to try and find something that I was good at. It's funny that you say that. I just drove through Forest Grove really for the second time in my life. It's a cute little town. You I want was, to talk about Norman Rockwell's America. That that one's really, really got a soft spot in my heart. It is pretty interesting. I had a, a restaurant recommendation from Jose Luis at Paiche who was on here, and he told me I need to go to the Yellow Llama. Oh, I've never Peruvian been there. Peruvian restaurant. And so I divert a half hour out of my way off of 26. 
and it's closed. Oh, so, no. So I got to see Forest Grove. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. They, they have a nice community theater program in several several galleries in beautiful downtown Forest Grove. Right, and the university is a big part of it. It so really is. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a cool town. You know, there's there's a joint called uh, Maggie's Buns that makes the best sticky buns for my money in the state oh, of I Oregon. I wish I would have known um, that last night. Good little coffee shop. There's a place called Grendel's that's kind of like a classic Americana type place. Um, Didn't make the right call. I, I consulted my phone. You can call me you. anytime. Actually, my number, listeners, is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need. We don't want your phone number. We actually want your address. Just go ahead and give us your home address. Yeah, and your the current one and your new one because this will live on. People indeed, indeed. Then let's yes. wrap it all up with your social security, and I'm done with all my questions. Great, yeah. great, yeah. Right. And then we'll call LifeLock. You, you, and get you don't want sponsors. my credit line. <laughs> you don't want that. So, um, you know, you you mentioned a few things, and I'm sorry I got off on the Forest Grove track because, oh, so you were talking about movie reviews. Do you? Um, so, did you watch the Oscars last night? Did you have the opportunity? To I, I did. I don't like award shows. So yeah, I, I don't watching. really either. But I've you got can this. See the shit on Facebook now. I've got this masochistic bent where I still watch it. Um, I, I haven't reviewed movies in about a year. So I used to, for about four years, I had a uh, a local based or locally based film column about cult film and stuff like that in Willamette Week uh, called AP Film Studies. So that was what I was. I was doing that along with Thrillist. Uh, but then I kind of. And I was like, yeah, this is a lot of hats to wear. I've got a kid, you know. She she doesn't want to go see the latest uh, Michael Haneke movie with me. So. But she will go to Basilisk and have the fried chicken. There. She will indeed. And she so, will indeed. So do you enjoy the food more than the movies? If you had your druthers and you could make what you needed to make, writing either, and have a nice schedule, what would you do? I would probably do both, honestly. I mean, if I could just sit around eating and watching movies, I mean, that's kind of what I was doing anyway. I just wasn't making enough money doing it, so. <laughs> oh, it's nice to find those things that you can, that you like doing and you can make money doing. Well, I also made a terrible mistake of majoring in journalism and film studies, so, you know, what, what, you what, else, what else are you going to do? So when, when I was in school, I went to Syracuse. That was a good thing to do, but nowadays... You know, especially now, majoring in journalism is not something that is uh, a lot of people are doing. And what's left of journalism? I mean, we're down to the point where we don't really have a lot of writers out there. You can't make a good living writing. We have a lot of writers, but yeah, you can't make a good living doing especially that kind of writing. Um, I always very romantically like to think that it's been kind of a a thinning of the herd in the print environment and and the old school, you know, investigative journalism uh, environment and hoped and still hope that at some day or or at some point people will realize that they need to get their news and their opinion from people that aren't jackasses. Um, But it doesn't seem to be working out that way. Or not off a list. Yeah, well, I I mean, mean, and that's what Thrillist, actually, I didn't never put that together. I think I might be very very wrong about this, but I believe initially the Thrillist had less to do with lists and was more like a pianist, but for one who seeks thrill. Oh, okay. See, that's why. Good, because I hadn't. I think I might be very wrong about that. I might get a call from my boss tomorrow and be like, "No, it's lists." But we weren't really doing. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and correct that. But initially, I mean, when the company started, it it was it wasn't list based. It was you would get. It started in New York, I think, in two thousand eight or six, and you know, it was a subscription service where you would sign up and every day you'd get that recommendation. Be like, okay, go to this place. Here's what they have, and it was super broy back then too, which. Uh, we've kind of what we've is kind the of definition of super broy. Uh, using the word bro as a <laughs> as a conversation filler instead and, of um. 
<laughs> or what about when did when did dude take over for bro? Yeah, um, I think that that bro is ha- is making a very sad comeback right now. Okay, um, or like my man, which sounds racially condescending. Um, and it's we got gender problems with all of that. Yeah, so. yeah, but so <laughs> <laughs> so I, and it was a great product. It, like the people that used it really trust it or trusted it and still do. They they followed us over as we started. It, it's still a newsletter, but you know we're putting out. My section's putting out almost 60 uh, articles a month. Um, and there are a lot of lists, but I think that if, if, if I may toot my own horn a little bit, I think that we've done a really good Let's go job. Let's a commercial break. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> there shall be no, t- no horn tooting in this <laughs> studio. Um, I think that, you know, because we have that foundation in the cities that we've established a huge foothold in, you know, we're not putting out lists that are just like, we heard that this place was good. We've got the authority on it, you know, and if if I don't know something, I'm hiring a writer in that city to tell me whether or not it's worth writing about and then having them do it. And so to that end, we've we've garnered an awful lot of trust, uh, you know, in in about a decade of of doing this. Yeah, I was going to ask that because you got some like I just saw your list of the 50 best food states yep. that you did in December. And well, I that thought, was actually older than that. That was a repromotion oh, that, re- yeah, just kind of resurfaced. Did you have to, did you have to, re, did you refresh it? We refreshed it, yeah. We we made sure that, you know, like, the stuff that we said still we, we Yeah, we moved some stuff around a little Tennessee bit. You moved Tennessee up. You had to have moved yeah, Tennessee Yeah, Tennessee up. came up. I can't remember the exact order of that one, but yeah, we we, we, we did our diligence on it. You know, we, we, we have writers specialized in each of the regions. I've got this weird knowledge of middle America, like the, the Mon- Montana and the Sodak and like, you know, all these, these areas that people don't really know an awful lot about, uh, just because I really like traveling there, which my wife hates, but you know, what are you going to do? You got to have your own things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, but even, even if you do have a writer in a particular state and you absorb that information, you get that data. How do you use that to say, all right, well, Ohio's going to come in ahead of Kentucky here because of what he said? Well, Ohio is better than Kentucky in terms of food, <laughs> well, if you ask me. Just generally speaking, it's in, I was speaking hypothetically. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not a science, you know. It, it, you you weigh it out and you think about you know all the different factors that you're you're putting into it, and you try and make the best decision that you possibly can without you know. How much do you fret over it? Is there a point where you just say, oh, fuck it, i got to get this done? And, um, I fret over it quite a bit. And it's a, it's an entire team of people that are, you know, it's not just me sitting in my basement uh, alone. I'm chatting with, like, you know, six or seven different people trying to make the best decision that we can. And, you know, ult- ultimately we want to make sure that we're we're doing justice by it and not just, like, you know, shitting on one state for no reason. Yeah. Although Florida is the budget <laughs> quite a bit. Florida deserves it. So, and then, of course, I go immediately to Where's Oregon, and you had it at number six. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, then I looked for Connecticut to see where you, how, how much of a pizza person you are. I am a pizza person, but you yeah. can't rest everything on the power of pizza. Pizza and burgers? Come yeah. on, man. The, the, they invented the burger there, and lore has it that that was the first place you could get a pizza. New Yorkers will argue with that. New Yorkers will argue with anything. Yeah. <laughs> but so if if the first place you get a burger and a pizza, you're going to put that at number 30 something that's in there? I mean, seriously. And and lobster rolls, not even mentioned. Look, see this is you're 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 the reader. <laughs> you're the comment section right now. So you go and you look for the thing that you love the most. <laughs> 
you find it, you disagree with where we put it, and then you go down and you start arguing, and you, you're like, oh, you've never had a fucking Connecticut pizza, go kill yourself. And it's like, that's that's the default, is go kill yourself all the time. Um, which is, which is great, it's, it's really great. I was great. suggesting go kill yourself on a pizza, on, a, on, that's, a, that's on an fair. Italian bomb at Modern. Now, if we're doing a rank of the best states for pizza, then Connecticut's going to be a lot higher. We've actually done that, and we're going to be... What do you mean a lot higher? A lot higher than... I don't know where the hell Connecticut well, was no, in the overall ranking of things so that I did Basically what I mean, why is it not just assumed to be number one? Yeah, well, number one or two. I could see you putting New York in there, and if you want to put Chicago in there, then I could tell you to go, go die. Well... I appreciate that. I like the Chicago deep dish pizza, but you know what the jam is? It's the it's the thin crust that no one really knows about. The Chicago thin crust, the big you know crackery crust square pizza, which you can get here at uh, what's that place called? Bridge City Pizza up in oh, Woodstock also has a stellar Italian beef. Uh, but yeah, they're the only ones that I've found that really? actually make the thin crust uh, Chicago style. Gotta that... write these things down or or listen. To you the could podcast. just li- listen, listen to right at the fork and find <laughs> out where to get the best thin crust Chicago style pizza. That's I want to try. I could go for that right now. That's delicious. Yeah, it's great. So it, and, and and so and, and that, that that's a beef. counter. Have you done an Italian beef list? Not to no, no. Oh, shit. not not yet. And so. and because I have to ask this before the podcast ends, and we'll get back to this. Uh, Michael's over here. What do you think of that? I've always liked Michael's. Um, I think it's interesting to see it being swallowed by construction around it because yeah. it's such a strangely shaped building, and they're just like building right up against its wall. Um, no park. It was the best place because you could go park there with no problem. Yeah, that, that was yeah. A, that was a plus. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that place is good. That's that's a legacy one. You know, uh, Sandwich also just came out or didn't just come out. They they uh, opened up a brick and mortar here. They were pastrami zombie as a cart here, uh, but they make it. Fucking fantastic! Sorry, I swear a lot. Um, they make a fantastic Italian beef there as well, but you know, none, it, none of them are going to be dipped? the same. Is it? Do you get your? Do you get your variation of dipness? No, no. That, that, that's kind of a liability, I think, for a lot of places, right? Does Michaels do that? Does oh, Michaels yeah. like you dunk the whole them, sandwich in? You can tell them. I don't remember the exact terminology, but you can go from dry to uh, wet to dipped to dunked, something like that. So you, I got it dunked once. It's too much because you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But have you ever had a conversation with Michael? I have not. No. Oh man, that's what that you need to do before you leave Portland. You got to get into a conversation. I'm with afraid of his fake butcher knife that says not to reach <laughs> across the counter. I know, and don't use a debit card. I also don't typically go in there particularly sober, so I'm not I'm not one to strike up a conversation with a man that's threatening me with a sign. Yeah, well, he's an he's an interesting guy, and uh, certainly thinks what he's doing over there is is better than anything else. At I would assume I haven't talked to him specifically about sandwich. But um, you know he has a he has a viewpoint on the food cart world versus what he's doing. Yeah, I, I I think there's a place for everything. I think that you know everyone can do their own very. That's what the, the beauty of a sandwich is. Anyone can make their interpretation of it, and then some guy's going to call you an asshole for trying to do it. Yeah. Well, it's not. I'm not even talking so much about the food, but uh, yeah, just he, he's an interesting character. For a while, I really wanted him on the podcast, and then I think I had one conversation with him, and I thought, you know. I don't know how well that's going to go. So um, anyway, so, so you 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 chickened out on it. I didn't chicken out. It's just there's only so many people I'm gonna I'm going to pursue to certain degrees to have them on this podcast. We can, we only have three or four episodes, three, four, five a, a month. And so. you settled on me. We love you. I want to. Oh, I'm man. bummed out that you're leaving. I, I, I question your your logic here. No. Well, why don't you? And I think Court agrees with you with me on this one. No, so. no, 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 no comment. I'm telling you, as we walked in, I had a little, I had a, a busy afternoon, and and well, 
partly driving around Forest Grove yesterday, but and then morning this morning. This is my first. I think this is the first time I don't have a piece of paper in front of me. I figured you, we could get through an hour really easily because we just did, which is going to run in a couple of weeks, the uh, fried chicken sandwich crawl. That was supposed to be a twenty-minute episode, and it's an hour. It's just what happens when you get you know two girls in the room gabbing away. Yeah, not yeah, dudes. Do you ever call women bros? Dudes? Bros, bros. We're bros. Yeah, you're my bro, bro, Chris. You're bro, bro. So, um, so back to the back to the lists. Does anybody ever stand on their sword before it's over with, or do you just all pretty much okay? We'll put that one at number eighteen. There's got to be somebody that's not happy with that state at eighteen. Well, we only we only really rank like the the, the big you know the states based on like really broad categories. You know, we'll do beer, we'll do uh, food, we'll do. Um, where did some of the others? You did suburbs too, and I saw Beaverton in there for food. Yeah, why? Why not? Where else are you going to put Beaverton's? Got a great Korean scene. It's, okay, you know it's got uh, solid bakeries. There's there's good stuff all over there. The problem with Beaverton as a food scene is that you have to eat it in Beaverton. There's that, and it's also compared to Portland. Well, yeah, but it's a suburb, and so is Portland a suburb of itself? No, no, but I'm just saying it gets a bad rap generally because it's not Portland. You know, if you have the choice to go there, or Portland. But uh, I'm glad you said that because I was kind of lost in Beaverton last night trying to think of where do I want to go to eat. I wanted to go to Dukabi, but couldn't do it. That place is great. The best thing that I ever did, and I can't remember, not, not the best thing I ever did, uh, but the best thing I ever did in Beaverton uh, was I was eating at DJK, which is a fantastic Korean barbecue place. And, you know, we we're hanging out and we wanted to keep eating stuff. And the server came up and I said, you know, hey, like, where should we hang out after this? And he kind of looked us up and down a little bit. And he was like, there's an Applebee's down the street. Uh, and I said, no, 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 no. Where are you going to hang out after this? And we ended up in this like little hole in the wall that like had a great bar, uh, you know, and instead of um, in, instead of peanuts on the bar, they had kimchi and everything. We we're like, okay, we're in the right spot. And they just mm-hmm. showered us in delicious food. I wish I remembered the name of that place. Yuzu? It, no, it wasn't Yuzu. Yuzu's great, though. Yeah, and, that's, and that's another one that's, like, hidden with no signage in a, in a strip mall. Right. You know, that's, that's the beauty of a place like Beaverton is that the people that know the good stuff want to keep it guarded. And then you, it, it's on you to kind of find it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'll stick up. What was I going to put? Gresham? Well, no, but did it have to be that you could have just avoided Oregon, right? It was the be- top something suburbs for food. Yeah, but if I, if we're being honest, I couldn't have avoided it. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of suburbs. There, okay, so so give me give me something that would have been better to put in there than Beaverton. Oh, I don't know. No, that's. I think that's a good. I'm going to stick up. I'm, I, gl- I'm not arguing I'm with stick, you. I think it's a good one. I, I just, feel I feel cornered I and argued ha- with. I was happy. <laughs> I was happy to see it in there. So, is there anything? That uh, you have in your thrillist travels that you have discovered that has seriously um, made you really happy you had that job just for the food experience. Like, I would not have done this had I not been working for thrillist. Um, it, it's hard to gauge because there's been so much of it. You know, when, you're, when your job is to cruise around and eat stuff, um, it, it, it's really difficult to really pin down. And also remember if I went there for work or if I just went there because I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Um, so, but you had if you went there as a weirdo and you loved it, you have to figure out a way to win that into your work. I would imagine yeah. it was that great. Yeah, I mean, like you can do. I, I'm I'm an experiential person. I like to, you know, I, I'm willing to eat a less great meal if I, there's something really cool going on. And so, like places mm-hmm. like Pitchfork Fondue in Wyoming, where they 
skewer fresh beef on a on a pitchfork and deep fry it in giant cauldrons. Like that's the kind of stuff that I get really interested in. That's an experience. Yeah, For yeah. Me, it's not that's not the best about... steak that I've ever had, but you know, I'm not I'm not a food critic. I'm not a you know food snob. I'm a person that likes to roll around and eat and enjoy it and tell people stories and and so I mean to that end, I think that's the best thing that that came out of this entire stint so far. And what's the worst? Um, th- uh, the time I shattered my elbow outside of Someday Lounge while dressed as a stripper cop was pretty bad. <laughs> um, Never had that one on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> that was like my, my first week at the, at the job. And yeah, I ended up in the hospital with a broken elbow trying to, trying to get a, an interview was recorded. Was covered under uh, the workman's comp? It, it was. And I found out that I had workman's comp uh, as a result of it. And then I immediately thought I was going to be fired. And then you also know you've got a second elbow to, to work from. That's, too, that's true. That. It, 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 I thought it was going to um, heal up like rookie of the year. Have you ever seen that movie where the kid breaks his arm and then he can throw like a 110 mile an hour fastball? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was going to happen. But what ended up happening is I can throw really hard but it goes the wrong way, or nah. I can throw really soft, but it goes about two feet. So, well then, then you should go pitch for the Nationals. There you go. Just That's stand sideways see. and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Um, so, of your uh, when you came, when you got to Portland, did you know? Because you got here when there really it was just a burgeoning food scene. It, yeah, it was. It was. It was getting there. Yeah. So, but could you see that it would be what it is today? I wasn't really looking for it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of fell ass backwards into the food writing world. You know, right. um, I, I I was hired to do this because I know the city. Uh, I didn't get hired because I have an intimate knowledge of of the way people cook. Um, but you know, even then, I was able to suss out kind of hole in the wall places that had really good stuff. I mean, think about two thousand four. Like, what was what was the hot restaurant in two thousand four? It was probably like. Pambiche or Bistro Montage or Zell's or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's where people would go. You know, it was we didn't even have you know the places that people are kind of even over at this point, like Screen Door until what two thousand six, two thousand seven. I guess that's about when that opened. And Country Cat was two thousand seven. Yeah. So that was kind of it. Seems to be where the boom started. I have a friend that's working on a book about this right now, so I don't want to. Steal too much of his thunder on it, but um, what on the on the history of Portland food? Well, just just part of it is kind of the he's he's writing about the um the increase in in great food across the country and where it started in different pockets, um, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I, th- I think that you know at that point, I remember when I when I interned at Willamette Week, uh, must have been two thousand four. They had me. They were doing their restaurant of the year uh, write up, which is way harder now, and they just picked Alberta Street. Like that was that was the pick. It was like Albert Street, the whole street. And I remember the first assignment that I had. Uh, what, was, what was there then, other than? Um, not some. I, I think uh, Chavito was there at that point. Um, Tenali's was still there. Oh, well, um, that's good. That's yeah. worthy. So I'd give that for just for the French crawler right out of. Oh, the, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, they hate you in there too. It's great. And you like not you specifically, like anybody. You, I used to go in there. I at, haven't had that experience. Oh uh, well, you haven't gone in there you. every night at eleven thirty after you've been hanging out at Binks for seven hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I can't recall what like the the, the big thing was there. Uh, but <laughs> so Andy feels like I'm leaving Portland because everybody hates me. No, I know, no. I've 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 settled down since my 2004 days. Well, you have you have a child. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So now now everyone just wants her out of there. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the assignment was, um, you know, Andy, we want you to go to 15th and walk down to 28th and go into every restaurant and see how long they've been there and you know just just start getting that information together. And I'm just all 
fresh off the off the road trip to get here and like okay and I, I walked up and down and I went to 30 places think about that that's a that's a less than 15 block radius with 30 bars or restaurants and I most think they of them wanted you in sales ah, maybe point. maybe <laughs> that would be a bad idea so um but yeah it was it was something to the effect of 30 and uh it was just mind-blowing for me as you know somebody that grew up in kind of a food wasteland to to see so much going on and so many this is going to sound a little mushy but you know Portland's kind of a mom and pop restaurant scene, right? Like, mm-hmm. so you're seeing people that are pegging their hopes and dreams on the fact that somebody told them that they know how to make something well. And that's really, you know, cool to me from, I'm from Flint, Michigan, so we're not used to seeing businesses succeed very much. Um, and and seeing people do that was was really just mind-blowing to me, and it gave me an awful lot of optimism. And, you know, that was back in the day when uh, on Alberta Street you could get by making paper mache ducks and selling them on <laughs> last Thursday or whatever, but... Uh, it's a completely different world now, but it was, yeah, it definitely was, was cool to see something, you know, thriving like that. I remember last Thursday back then was not, you know, it was just on the sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Then. I, I don't think they do anymore now. I think they got, oh, they're back they to, got the kibosh on that. Yeah. No, they're not. I could, I could be wrong, but when I lived there a couple of years ago, that was no longer a street closure. Oh, okay. Or at, I, le- I or at least a, a legal time. street closure. I think it was a lot of people just kind of forcing traffic to go around them. Has the has it worn off a little bit the whole cachet around last Thursday? I I I don't know. I'm too old for that shit, man. Yeah, well, that's I definitely am, and and I, and I got nauseous with all the people there. Yeah, after yeah. a while, and I said, you know, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I don't think I don't think this is going to be a thing for me anymore. So, um, you so you've seen a lot, and where do you think you're leaving Portland? I am. Yeah, what, what yeah. What are you sad about leaving Portland, and then what are you happy about? I'm I'm sad just generally speaking. I love this city. I absolutely love this city. Um, this is where I kind of grew up as an adult. Um, I grew up in Michigan, assuming and then I became an adult have here. Become an adult? Yeah, assuming so. Yeah. So it's, if child services is listening right now, <laughs> one thousand percent an adult. Um, no, I, 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 I like I like the community here. I like the way that people work together. I like the way that even competition is friendly. I like the way that I can. Uh, walk down the street and eat something that's just mind-blowingly delicious just by following my nose, you know. Um, I like the fact that uh, every bar is a restaurant and that, you know, the pe- people harp on the liquor laws here, but I love the fact that if there's hard alcohol at a bar, that means they have to have a full kitchen. That's amazing. You can find these, like, great meals that you never would have expected and holes in the wall. That's that's really cool. And that to me, I think that that's what makes this city one of the best food scenes in the entire country, you know. There, there's this huge blurry line between if you're going out to drink or if you're going out to eat, and you're probably going to do both if you set if you set your mind to it. So, which also brought us Tanuki, that whole oh uh, my that god, law yeah, yeah, Tanuki. Exactly, that, yeah. She'd just be serving cocktails, right, right, and that's uh, that's amazing, right? Like, who mm-hmm. who would have thought that? You know, Janice Martin with a hot plate would be able to, you know, completely transcend and blow so many minds just because of that. And there are. No disrespect to her because there's great respect for her. There are so many people like that who are just, you know, started out with a hot plate and doing incredible, incredible food. And I think that's because we have that same culture of collaboration and helping. Mm-hmm. There's not a chef out there that that I know who doesn't want their staff to grow in to do something better. Yeah, and, yeah. And that, you don't see, I didn't see that. I don't know if you, about Michigan, but I didn't see that in Connecticut it yeah, was, no, that's pe- people want to help each other out. And it's even if they're the competition, so to speak, uh, it seems as though the the vast majority of people working in the restaurant and bar industry here 
are looking for their neighbors to succeed. You know, you you hear the term sellout tossed out around a lot, uh, especially by bloggers and whatnot. They'll be like, oh, well, this this place is everyone goes there now. And to me, that's just somebody saying, I'm upset that my neighbor succeeded. And I think that that's really a messed up mentality to have. Um, and I don't think that that's something that's really uh, a, a result of the people that actually work in it. Yeah, well, it's also, I think people are um, a little jealous of success in Portland, yeah. generally speaking, because if someone's making a lot of money, they're now, they're supposed to, it's supposed to be organic and it's not supposed to be about the money. Well, that's the the weird nativist thing that kind of floats through here, which is something that I'm really not going to miss, you know, like that whole idea that, you know, I used to go to this place and now all these other people go there and so it's bad and it's still the same food, it's still the same, you know, beer, it's still the same thing that they've been doing all, all along, but they found a measure of success and other people found out about it. If you're a restaurant owner you're, uh, and your problem is that too many people like your food, you're not a good restaurant owner. Uh, you mean if you have a problem with it? Yeah, if you have a problem with it, where like a customer is going to turn their back on a place because, you know, they have to wait five minutes to get a table. They'd rather go in there and watch the place slowly implode because nobody knows about it. Do you think That's... you're going to have that? Net? What, what's going to be different in L.A.? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 going in there blind. Have you so, so you've never lived there? I've never lived there. No, my wife uh moved up there or up here from there uh when we met. And mm-hmm. so we're 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 returning to her roots now that my roots have have expanded here. So you that's a whole world of food. Oh there. man, it's gonna be yeah. And it's movies. Be something else. Talk about movies. You're gonna have opportunities <laughs> that are pretty crazy. I'm actually going there to at, at the age of thirty six to be discovered. Is that, no, 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 no. I'm, what are they going to discover? I'm not even radio pretty, Chris. What do you hope they'll, they'll discover? No, I think you are. I, <laughs> I told you this a long time ago. I think you'd be great with a podcast. Nah, nah, nah. No, no. I, it, I mean, I can do my job from anywhere. That's that's the beauty of being a national food and drink editor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, my, my roots are here, but, you know, my job is all around the country. And so it'll be really fascinating to kind of jump into that big, terrifying, you know, macrocosm of food where everybody's the best and everybody is the hottest restaurant in town, you know, and, and to basically go in and find tacos. So that's my goal. <laughs> You'll find some good I will ones. be fat with Man, tacos. So I want to give you my list of favorites, but, and there are a few that are still around, but I mean, I was there in 1977, 78. I was working on the, on the strip at the Whiskey A Go Go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so it used to be way cooler. The whiskey? Oh, <laughs> no, <yeah>. you? <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Well, that was <laughs> that was many moons ago, um, but they had a great they had a great cheeseburger at the Whiskey. Um, I remember that. No one spoke English in the uh, in the kitchen. I went I there a couple years ago and I didn't eat. Um, we went to see. My wife was really excited to to take me to go see Run DMC because I'm a big hip hop fan. And it they ended, were playing at the whiskey. No, it's just DMC. Oh. So, <laughs> so she was she was fooled, and she she didn't become suspicious when the ticket was six dollars to go see Run DMC. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just DMC, uh, and it, it was lovely. He has this lovely story that he likes to tell. This is this is way off topic, but he, about how uh, Sarah McLaughlin's Eyes of the Angel saved him from suicide, and he'll go off and tell you about it like on stage uh, endlessly. But he saw. You know that 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 super weepy song on a on a dying puppies commercial, and it right. like snapped him out of a, a depression. So not only is that uh, it's saving people's dogs, but it's also saving our classic rappers. Yeah, 
So my I, I gotta I gotta I'll interject this. My ten year old when she watches that very commercial, I'll walk into the room and she's crying. Oh she's yeah, like, oh, no, man, this is. Some powerful stuff, that Sarah McLaughlin. How many it's, times has that happened? She's watching every single it's not all time. The time. Every single time that thing comes on. Of course, she's a she's the dog lover in the house. But I just like, it's, oh man, Sarah McLaughlin, you got us again. It's like the first ten minutes of Up in a commercial. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're doing the on demand. Yep. Uh, I'm not even thinking of what that is. I, uh, I'm not. It's not coming to mind. I'll, I'll send you a link to it, and okay. I think you, Chris, will be crying as well. It's yeah, true. I've yes. pro- probably seen it. We, right. We've seen the pictures of your dog. You'll 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 get. Oh sad. yeah. Yep. Yeah, my my pup. We had a sad thing this weekend. We took a. Uh, I was doing an eight mile mile round trip, walk on the beach, and three miles in, he he pulled up really lame from nothing. Oh man, it was a tough. It was a tough go. We had to walk get back three miles with. I had to carry him, which was su- the sweetest thing ever, because he's getting older. Got to take care of. Him. It's, anyway. it's interesting though how that happens at, at that at when dogs reach that age. It just happens like that. We had that with our dog a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Sat out of the blue, and then the next day he was fine. But he's always had. I'm not so pessimistic about it because he's. Years ago, he would go out and play really hard, and then get a pain. Right. So I still have the actual medicine for that. Yeah. I called the vet this morning to get an update because it expired in 2015. Anyway, now imagine if that happened and you had your headphones on and Sarah McLaughlin came on. Right. Just like, Boom. <laughs> exactly. As I was walking, I'll have to. Yes, I'll have to do that. But I. I thought it was actually a really sweet thing. So where were we? I'm sorry. Oh yes, uh, Run DMC. No, uh, we, were... we need we need our guests <laughs> to keep us on track. That's uh, why Run I'm DMC here. At the whiskey. That's that's why I'm an effective editor. So are you are you uh, are you gonna are you at the age where you want to get into the music scene down there? Because it's pretty cool. Yeah. No. I'm. I mean, I've I I came up you know as a, as a music writer as well. So I'm 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 very. Uh, as one of the olds now, uh, happy to stand in the back Shut and see a cl- fuck up dude. I went that, to a, I went to a show in Brooklyn the other day and just stood in the back and was like, I am old. And it was a Jawbreaker reunion show. They haven't played in twenty five years, so everyone else was old, but I felt older for some reason. Not sure. Maybe it was the Brooklyn state of mind. I don't know. So here's my just now that you speak to that. My experience, I went back to the whiskey. I moved to Portland, and we were doing some business, and I had a meeting down there. I met my, at the time, my business partner, and we went to see a Zeppelin um, tribute band at the whiskey. So this was 2005, six. So I worked there in 78, 77 at the Roxy, 78 at the whiskey, and I'm standing there watching this and looking around, and I realize... There is not one person in that club that was alive when I worked there. Oh wow! Yeah, and that's including new Robert Plant. Yeah, no, no one in no one in the band. Nothing. There, I don't even think any of the employees. Nothing. There was not one person, and I was only uh, what was I forty seven then? Forty seven then. Now, I mean, please. Well, that I'm not going to tell my stories here, but I have a great story with Jose in Barcelona when I went to the disco. As the oldest guy in the room, that was fun. I I, I actually went. I, I love telling this quick quick little story. But I went and saw a Zeppelin cover band at the Wonder Ballroom about six or seven years ago, and they were great. You know, I'm not not big into cover bands, but uh, my buddy's a huge Zepp fan. It just were like rocking on. It wasn't very very busy. And at the end of it, we were like, yeah. And we went up to the bar, and the the fake John Bonham and his wig and everything came up. And my buddy was like, man, John Bonham, let me buy you a shot. And he goes, I don't drink. <laughs> and <laughs> My buddy goes, you're not John Bonham, yeah, and we yeah. walked away. This whole thing is null and void right here. <laughs> so what are, I'm curious, um, music writing, what are the differences between music writing, 
being a film critic or a film reviewer and food writing. What what are some of the things that 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 maybe are threads that go through all of them together and then some that don't? I mean, the the thread that goes through them is that you're at the end of the day just some asshole spouting his opinion. Um, <laughs> That's kind of why I and, was asking the question. Yeah, and I mean, pe- people tend to forget that. So you know, I mean, you, you you read a review or an opinion based piece on something. Uh, hopefully because you trust the person, but more likely you just kind of stumbled upon it. Um, and, you know, it, it, pe- people take your your word as God. Like, if I don't like country music and I'm reviewing a country album, you know, that bias is inherent. And so the, the connective thread between the three of them that you get, at least from a reader perspective, is people are, will come to you and be like, that was so biased. And it's like, yeah, well, it's an opinion thing. It's a, the, the bias is built into it. Um, but I mean... There are certain degrees of expertise that you have, you know, depending on what you're doing. I think that food is is one that's a little a little more difficult to pin down because you've got people that like to eat. You have people that have to eat, which is all of us. And then you've got people that can, you know, take a taste of something and tell you every single thing that's in it. Um, and I think that there are different levels and uh, places for each of those. You know, I don't write reviews. I'm not qualified to write reviews. I don't think that if I reviewed a restaurant that my word should be uh, any more valuable than my dog's. He has good taste. He's, he's, yeah. he's a very refined purebred dog. Um, <laughs> he eats only the and finest of cat of litter. You, you've, done art, you've, done, you've written articles about eating dog food. Yeah, so, I mean, you want to you really trust somebody's opinion on taste. I have eaten, I think, 15 <laughs> different dog treats with my puppy. Just the treats. Just the treats, No yeah. canned food. I wanna, no, I no, that. no, we're, we're not even going to mess with that. I tried the, the, the raw goat's milk that they give them uh, to kind of do healing and <laughs> it's not not a pretty pretty situation but yeah i mean like is that the worst thing you've ever, what's the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth uh, <laughs> <laughs> um a fish eye was the grossest thing i ever ate uh that i personally almost i, I eat a lot of weird stuff i don't, I don't and I don't you don't know. have any qualms so no i hand you something that you know is not going to kill you i'll, I'll probably you, taste it yeah wow. um and the fish eye was just too much it, it, the weirdest part about i don't know if you've ever eaten an eyeball but no, uh, no, 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 it doesn't appeal they, to me. They at have all. a lens on them, and so they pop, and they, oh. yeah. So I was, I was at a banquet for when I worked at the Asian Reporter, and we were at our scholarships banquet, and uh, they put down these full fried tilapias, and I noticed, you know, all the old guys popping the eyeballs out, and I was like, is that good? And my boss <laughs> said, oh yeah, it's the best part. And so I said, I, I want to try it, and I'm not joking. Somebody stood up and goes, white guy eating a fish eye, and everyone <laughs> gathered around me. And I popped it out and put it in my mouth all tough. And uh, no, no, it was pretty, pretty. Not, I was, was it the I, texture that was the problem? It was the, the texture. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big texture person. So uh, when it popped and oozed and that little <laughs> lens stuck to my teeth, uh, it was it was a pretty, pretty, pretty ugly experience for me. Um, I'm not going to begrudge other people for liking it. My, my general policy on tasting stuff is also that... Uh, if I don't think I like something, I will try it if it's presented to me uh, anytime. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, maybe you just haven't had the right version of it, um, right. which has led me to eat a lot of things that I, I personally don't care for, but I can appreciate it. You know, I can hear why people like it. I can understand why people like it. But, you know, you put a fish eye in my mouth, I'm probably going to throw up. How, how, uh, what's your spice threshold? So I have uh, a reflux issue. I, I really like spicy food, uh, but. It really just runs roughshod through my duodenum, uh, so I generally try to avoid really spicy things. Okay, because I always wonder when I'm reading um, 
food criticism. You know, everybody has different tastes. And so just because they have a lot of experience and have eaten all over the place, their palate just may be very different than yours and mine and Court's and anybody's. So I, I feel like it's, like it's really subjective. However, I also see a place for it. And if there's, uh, it's like anything else. For me, it's uh, like judging diving meats. You take out the top, you take out the bottom. And if everybody's agreeing that this is something that's good, then I, you know, from critics to just general chefs, not general chefs or general people that you see on Facebook, then that's usually my my determiner. How about yours? No, that, that, that's a really good call. You know, if I'm sitting around a table and everyone tells me something's good and I'm just not feeling it, I, I'm not going to be like, this is terrible. You know, you get second opinions. You talk to other people. You see how they're feeling about it. And, and you can, you know... Make a judgment call based on the quality of what you're eating. Like if you eat, if, if you've got something that you don't like and it's got like dirt falling off of it and everything, that's you can make that call pretty, pretty effectively. But but do you think a lot of people in Portland are affected by what others think? I I believe that there's a lot of food out there that maybe isn't as good as it is, but because it's gotten so much positive press that people are nodding as they're eating it and. Haven't even they're not tasting it with their mouths. They're tasting it with their egos, right? No, and I I think that and this th- th- this isn't to throw any shade on anyone by any means, but you know you look at a lot of the the best in the city list, and they don't change nearly enough, in my opinion. You know, or it's like front loaded with whatever uh, new restaurant has the biggest PR machine or uh, whatever people are talking about. Or, I've heard that, but I don't really know. It, ha- it happens. Well, especially when you when you start breaking it down to individual places and, or individual blogs and so on, you know, and you start seeing the same faces at press, or like soft open parties and things like that, you know, and then you notice that the ones that have the parties are the ones that go top because, I mean, it's it's unsustainable for everybody to eat everything and actually I mean, think, think about the sheer number of restaurants that are opening here and the sheer amount that are closing, which is a completely staggering number. I think when I look back to the 2012 stuff that I did, probably 60% of those places are gone. That's, and even, even like Ricker joints, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about. I look at my Portland food adventures list and uh, probably 40% are gone and they were, I wouldn't do anything that wasn't what I thought was either a great restaurant or there was a buzz about it. There've been a few restaurants I've been to that I'm not crazy about, but I know a lot of people love it and I'm not the only one out there to determine that. Right. So, and, and, but yeah, you see, you see the same things on there all the time. And then you have to think, you know, as, as a person that do, isn't lucky enough to get to go to places and try them and, uh, you know, know somebody that knows somebody that can get you in for a quick taste. Uh, people want, because food's kind of taken on this, um, this almost rock star to sound a little generic, yeah, but, no. uh, it's taken on this like mythical, you know, this, this is what we're doing. We're going out to eat. Because people want to try everything, there isn't a lot of loyalty that's cultivated, and so people move on. Look, I mean, look at Smallwares. Smallwares was one of the best restaurants in town, but after everyone had tried it, they moved on to try something else. Uh, thank God, Joe Ayers is currently operating in the Zipper and still making that delicious fried kale, which is the only way I'll eat kale is if it's, if it's <laughs> deep fried and loaded with meat. I agree. We we like that. So, you- but yeah, there's there's not a lot of um, a lot of income or uh ability for people to just keep going back to a place if they want to keep trying what's new and so and then the press is telling me you got to go to the next new thing yeah i mean because you can't go to a a newspaper or a website and read the same fucking restaurant review every week right you know it's like oh here's what it is now well just like your first job was to find the new 
Yeah, the, yeah, and that so, can that can be problematic, but it can also be problematic when things don't change. On you know, you, I I I tend to like when we do repeated things like sandwich shops or something on a national level. I I give people a legacy shout out, so I I don't really need to read about you know. Philippe's the original, which is delicious, the original, the purportedly original French dip in L.A. Uh, I don't need to read about that. But up top, I'll be like, here's, a, you know, a shout out to the legacy people. You did that with Zaxby's. I was looking at your fried yeah, chicken. You're, yeah, yeah. something, a chain, fried chicken chain that should be everywhere. Yeah. First thing in my mind is Zaxby's, but you gave it a shout out as a legacy and, okay, we're not going to include it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so there's, there, there, there's, there's, there's room for more people in the pile, but I, I also think that it's... Uh, foolhardy to forget about the places that you love and move on and, and never go back to them because, you know, businesses need to make money. And, uh, you know, what 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 are you going to do if nobody's going back to your place? I, I tend to think that's a problem. I like, I've always said I like to highlight the places that are that have been around and stood the test of time. So I have a question for you because what you we were talking about made me think about it. Um, do, as a thrillist writer, do, uh, you get invited to a media event do you take free food, and then r- will you write about it? Um, no, but I'll let it inform. You know, if I if I'm going back, or if you know something, I, I don't really go to an awful lot of them anymore. But uh, when you used to, did, did you feel there was an ethical problem if a year later you wrote about that restaurant? Because I, I had this little discussion on Facebook with our friend Michael Zisman, who won't come on the show to talk about this. Yeah, he he's only lifted the veil recently, so yeah, so not Russell Zussman. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, um, but he feels if you ever take anything, free, he's gonna get so mad if he listens to this and hears me I mistake think... the two. <laughs> I accidentally called him Zussman one time, and he got very upset with me, really? saying, "I'm not Mark Zussman." Oh, you mean Mar- no? There's my, Mark my, and my, Mike. No, yeah. Anyway, and then there's anyway. Russell and Ru- okay. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Mikes floating around so, and a lot of Zeuses. Do you feel any ethical problem with putting a restaurant on your list, a list a year later that you got invited to for a free comp meal as a media? No, but I, I, again, I don't usually take them. Like, I'll go to like a meet the chef, you know, have an appetizer thing. Um, I'm not going to gauge anything that I do based on a free bite that I had at a festival or at a restaurant uh, opening or anything like that. I'll go back and I, I don't, the reason that I don't have, you know, personal relationships with a lot of people in town is that I'd prefer them to, you know, to serve me what they would serve anybody else. And so uh, to that end, yeah, I, I would just go back and eat and see if it was as good as I remember. Well, the, the, the real, the issue that he, that we discussed is he said, once you take something free, you can no longer write about it or talk about it. And you well, can he's no a longer judge. write about food. Yes, exactly. So I, I, I do trust that. Further, you can't be trusted to write about food if you ever take anything free. My position is, I'm not a critic. Right, right. So if I put something on Instagram and say, if I've been invited to plenty of free things, if I don't like something, I'm not going to put it out there and say this was great just because I got a free meal. Right, right. But if it was free and I liked it, I'm still going to talk about it. Whether and and if something's I paid for, I'll do the same. It, to me, that's not the the barometer. You know, I owe these people. Right, right. So um, although I I think I have. I, you know what? I have said a few times, oh, I'll po- I felt I'll post something here because this was very nice of them to invite me, but I'm not going out there to say something is fantastic right, and, and right. recommend it if I didn't think that was the case. And if it's really bad, I just I err on the side of don't say anything. That's, that, that, that's very kind of you. <laughs> well, I, I don't need to create enemies. So um, uh, 
You're not still doing local things in Portland. No, but I mean, I we we still write about Portland. So uh, again, you know what what I eat and experience here will definitely often show up in our big roundups. This is one of the best food cities in the country. Of course, it's going to. So um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you're gonna. I'm going to, but I mean, and I would like we should, we have to have you on again before you leave, and we can always do call-ins if we want to talk more national things too. Or about Portland, because you know about it. But so leaving Portland and having been here for 13, 14 years now? 14, yeah. 14 years. Uh, when one of your friends is coming in from Flint or from anywhere, and they say, where do I need to go in Portland? Uh, what are the what are the things they absolutely, if they only have three days here, where do they have to go? My, my general move, because I am a walking flesh robot, is I ask people for uh, three adjectives, a price point in a neighborhood. Nice. Um, but the things that I tell people that they consistently should be eating here, uh, depending on the person, but, uh, Nong's is always at the top of that. Um, I absolutely love Nong's. I know that Nong is in the, in the bullpen right now. You want to, um, you want to, oh, we don't have room. You but yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's 1000%. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, you, you have to think about what people, what you want people to experience in a city, right? What don't they have where they're coming right. from? That to me is important. Yeah. Yeah. So to if it's somebody from Flint. burger. That's going to be harder to beat them, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to tell people to... to go get a burger. I'm going right. to tell them to go get some common guy, or I'm going to tell them to go get something stupid at Lardo, or I'm going to tell mm-hmm. them, you know, uh, that they need to just track something down specific to their taste and what they're just not able to get, you know. So, so I, I, that, that's, that's, that, that's kind of... Nongs and Lardo? Is that what we're... Well, uh, it, it depends on the person, but the, I generally will recommend those two. Uh, what if things. they want a nice romantic dinner out? Do you know that? Is that something you focused on enough? I've known myself to be slightly romantic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to, like, spout out the stuff that pe- everyone knows. You know what the most underrated restaurant in downtown Portland is for that's stuff like that? That's what we want to hear. Muka Osteria. Have you okay. ever been there? I have not been no, there. No, I've, I've never heard anyone talk times. about it. I like it's it's insane. Uh, their their food's so good. They make a great uh, Caprese's uh, tower, and I had the best rabbit gnocchi I've ever had. Uh, and I'm a, a whore for rabbit gnocchi, but I'd never hear people talk about that. So if people are having an, I remember going there on my anniversary, and uh, you know they did the whole like here's champagne and blah blah blah, and it was one of the most. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyable date nights that I've ever had. And yeah, I just never hear people talk about that place. Or Roost. No one ever goes to, like, I never hear people talk about Roost. That place is great. I like it. I've been there a few times. Yeah, but yeah. no, it's not, doesn't come top of mind when someone says, because, you know, down the street is Nostrana and Notoguro. And yeah, so. which, which is also, that, that stuff's all super great, you know? Right. Um, and I will gladly recommend those as well. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's really hard to hone it hone it down for anybody well you also don't want to be like go to this place where nobody is you know like you, you send somebody from out of town and they go sit in a, an empty restaurant and they're like what the hell is happening yeah well you know? i don't i don't i empty restaurants to me for me aren't uh i like i like a little bit of energy yeah there's only one way to, to make sure a restaurant's not empty though and it's to go to it and tell people about it and get them in there if, if they make something you like well that's true so, that's what i'm evangelical about damn it so um are you gonna go have you been to Cantor's in la you i have not no the the consummate la jewish deli right on fairfax i have not no okay so there's my i mean when you go there it's not like it's a secret it's been right, around right. for like a hundred years. I, I, I know of it, yes. Right, but it's a gr- it's just great late night and uh, anytime to go there. And I can't think of, uh, there was a place called McNaturals on Sunset. And, uh, of course, you go to Pink's 
And uh, I, don't, I don't go to Pink's. I'm a hot dog snob, buddy. I'm from Michigan. Okay. I don't mess around with, with fake-ass hot dogs. <laughs> which is a segue to the end of this. We need to do a hot dog crawl. 1,000%. So, Court, you're in on the hot dog crawl? I'm too? so in. All right. So we have to arrange that date. Let's let's set a target for April. Or, Done. Or before. Er, early April would be great. That's, that's so. when we'll do it. A that, that, that's Saturday, a hot dog kind of year, and I wouldn't mind getting the same crew we had last time together. Yep. That was that was a lot of fun. So to say that, Court, let's look up at the date. As long as people are listening to this, we we have to pr- promote the date of the chi- fried chicken crawl. We're going to insert that fried chicken sandwich crawl. fried chicken sandwich crawl on the twenty sixth, my son's birthday. So March twenty sixth, will you can hear? How many did we do? Six. We planned on I think doing six, seven. Yeah. But I had pink eyes, so I only did five. That's right. And plus, uh, a couple of people had to leave early. I was in for the long haul. So we're, we go to five, six great fried chicken sandwich places in Portland, and uh, we do rate them at the end. We do. Reluctantly rate them, yes. Yeah, not, not big on ratings. And the only one that is, well, actually, he might, no, that's not true. Uh, Don Salomon from Burger Stevens did write and say, had that go, and I didn't tell him who won. Good. So, keep keep him sweating. So March twenty sixth. That's or anytime thereafter. Listen, go look for that episode with Andy Kriza from Thr- Thrillist. How do people find you? Thrillist dot com. Right, but also if oh, they want if they want to argue with you on Twitter, <laughs> don't don't <laughs> uh, at ap Kriza a p k r y z a. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 